Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. We've been with us for any amount of time during these past few weeks. Um, we've been in a series called the Love of God series. And although I don't count this as a part of that series, I would like to couple it with it. Um, the Lord has been speaking to me this past week, more than this week, but really this past week, and I really feel that He has been setting the stage all day for us. The theme He has been weaving in worship, I see it woven through what He has given me. And so before we start, I just want to pray. And I think it's a we pray, we just prayed. Yeah, we can pray again. We're going to pray because I don't want any word I say to be me. I want everything that the Lord has to say to be spoken today because this is his time and we are his kids and he knows us and he knows what we need today. He knows how to speak even to the most stubborn of hearts, to the most scattered of brains. He knows us personally and he knows you. So Father God, I thank you that you're a God who knows us. Lord, we struggle to know ourselves and we go through this journey through our life to figure out who we are, but God, you already know. And God, I thank you that you know every soul here today. You know every journey that led them to this moment. And God, I praise you because you know what is next. You know the plans you have for them. Plans to prosper them, not to harm them. To give us an expected end. And Father God, I just ask that you change our expectations today. Lord, would you just help us open our hearts with an expectancy that you are Jehovah Jireh that you will provide everything that we need in this moment, everything that we need for this journey you have set us on. Help us expect, not just believe, but expect that you are who you say you are. Father, we thank you and we praise you. And I just pray that your spirit would take charge today. That every restless spirit be calmed by your peace today. Father, I consecrate this moment to you. If I don't speak a single word written on a page, but what you have burned in my spirit, then Lord, I praise you. Because more than my voice, they need your voice. I need your voice. My sweet friend, Holy Spirit, you are welcomed here. Have your way today. 
praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We could, Corey, you could play all day, and I could just, I could just preach all day to his, oh my God, it's beautiful, but it also will put you to sleep, so Corey, you got to be done. You got to be done with that, but I'm going to put him to sleep. <laughs> That's what Heather says. She knows. Um, but so, <clears throat> we've been going through the series of the love of God, and last week, John very clearly pointed out the flow of the love of God, and how... It flows from God to us, for us, and then through us to others. Now, we've also learned that growing up in any type of religious setting, you might have learned that backwards. Where we try harder, we try to love others, we try to love God, and we forget ourselves because we should not even be counted as lovable. But God says different. And so the love of God, I want to remind us from last week, and we're going to recount some scriptures that we've learned during this time, because it's very important to start the very beginning of what God is trying to do. So first, I don't know if if you guys have been affected by this series, but I have. It has been a mind shift. It has been a paradigm shift. It has been changing the way and the flow that I think. I have always been a try harder person. Like, have any, I can, I strive at surrender. Is that, does that make sense? Like, if anybody can strive at surrender, it's me. Like, you know, just relax. I'm relaxing. No, no, I'm not. That's a hard thing for me. And knowing that it's been woven into everything that I, excuse me, that I have learned growing up and everything I thought God was, and it's like, oh, he honors my strive. Girl, just sit down, just surrender. And that's what he's been teaching me through this, receiving the love of God from me and letting it flow through me to others. And so if you've ever been in church for a while, you also know that you have a call on your life. The call of God is on your life, and you're going to hear it forever because it's true. But, oh, that brings some pressure. I was 12 years old, and somebody said, hey, girl, you got a call on your life. I had to do what? I have to do what now? The call of God on your life. So what I do as my try hard self, I tried really hard to be really good at it. To be really good at knowing that I had a call and be really good to walk in a call and, and do all the things right. And I was exhausted because the flow was backwards. So as we live in the love of God and we let the love of God flow through us, He changes things, and today I hope that he continues to change the mindset. We're going to start in Scripture. They're going to be familiar, but let's go back. Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. I pray that his glorious, unlimited resources will empower you with inner strength through his Spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes 
from God. John 17, 18 through 21. Just as you have sent me out, this is Jesus talking, just as you have sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one. Just as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they also be in us so the world will believe you sent me. John 15, 9 through 17. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things that you would be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Another translation says, so that my joy will be in you, and your joy will be full. Thank you, Lord, for your joy. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for your friends. If you're my friends, if you do what I command, I no longer call you slaves because masters don't confide in their slaves. You are now my friends, since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love one another. Familiar, right? Love one another. So we see the flow. It's so important. Remain in my love. Commanding us to go and produce fruit. Appointing us means equipping us to go and produce fruit. How? Remaining in his love. So I want to talk to you today about the byproduct of union. The byproduct of union is what we like to call ministry. Ministry is very often used as a noun. It's, uh, you know, this is what we do. It's, it's this ministry. It's that ministry. But I wanted to challenge the way that we think today by reminding us that ministry is actually a verb. It is a journey. It is not a destination. We can see this throughout scripture. Jesus meets a man named Zacchaeus. Jesus was not trying to go meet a man named Zacchaeus. He probably knew because he's fully God, fully man, but they were on a mission. They were on the way to something else. And then here comes this short man. Maybe he was shorter than me. I don't know. I'm pretty short. And he wanted to see Jesus so bad he climbed into a tree. And Jesus walks by and he says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming home with you today. And we're going to share a meal. And if you read through that passage in Luke 19, you see that that experience with Jesus changed Zacchaeus forever. He was willing to give up everything he had, repent for the things he's done wrong, give back to those he stole from, mistreated with, with whatever his job title was. He wasn't a likable dude. And he went back 
because of one experience with Jesus that happened on the way. Another example of this is Peter and John. They were on their way to the temple to pray. They were going to worship, just like we are here today, came to worship. On the way, they meet a man at the gate. And at the gate, this lame man, he could not walk. He asked, silver and gold, alms, alms. He, he was asking for something tangible. He, he was hungry. And Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. Get up and walk. Peter and John were on their way. They were on their way to the temple. But yet ministry happened. My very favorite example is of Jesus and a woman at a well. John chapter 4. We're going to read 1 through 15. Jesus knew the Pharisees have heard that he has, was baptizing and making more disciples than John, though he himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So they left for Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to a Samarian village near the field where Jacob gave his, to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus was tired from the long walk, sat weary beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because the disciples had gone to, buy, to the village to buy food. The woman was surprised because Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me for a drink and I would give you living water. So you don't have a rope or a bucket and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? And Peter, uh, Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon be thirsty again. But those who drink the water I will give them will never thirst again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never thirst again, and I won't come here to get water. So we see that Jesus was on his way to Judea. And along the way, he met this woman. And the reason this is so striking to me is this, it wasn't just any woman. It was an outcast. And noontime is the worst time of day to go to the well. It's hot. Everybody went in the morning or in the evening. But this woman had a reputation. This woman was not liked. This woman was bound in sin. Yet Jesus took the time to pass by along the way. And if you continue to read this account, you see that not only did Jesus tell her about herself, he revealed himself to her as the Messiah. First time we see this to an outcast woman with a shameful reputation. It's the beautiful story of the love of the Father. It's my favorite. 
but he showed me how it was always along the way. So why do we get so worked up as believers as following our calling and, and doing the ministry? It happens along the way. Along the way of our journey with Jesus. It happens along the way. And it seems so simple that if we remain in him and his word remain in us and we live in the vine and we allow this, this connection, this union to happen, then what we'll see is organic ministry like we see in the Bible. But why don't we? We, we believe it to be true. We know it's for us. What keeps us? And what I found is that along the journey with Jesus, you're going to sometimes find yourself in places that are hard. Places I like to refer to today as a pit. And I'm reminded of Joseph. Joseph with the coat of many colors. He wasn't a bad guy. Naive a little bit. He told dreams. The Lord gave him prophetic dreams. He shared them with his family. It didn't go well. So he shared again another dream. And that didn't go well. So naive, bad, no. He was doing everything his father had told him to do. So his brothers were out in a field, and this, you'll find this. We're going to read a little bit about this in a minute, but we'll find this in Genesis 37. He, his brothers are out tending to the flock, and dad says, hey, Joseph, go check on your brothers. Go find them. Make sure they're good. He was obedient to the father, and he went. Even though he didn't know where he was going, he had to ask for directions. He thought they were one place. They weren't. He said, no, he's over here. But the brothers have plotted a scheme, plotted a plan, because they were jealous. Like, this guy in these dreams, who does he think he is? He's, he's the favorite. You know, you know it's bad when the Bible calls you the favorite. Like, it's written in Scripture that he was the favorite of his father. So he was favored above his brothers. So there was jealousy. And so life happens, and people around you sometimes might actually get you into the situation where you find yourself in a pit. Because what happened with these brothers, we're going to see in Genesis 37, 23. So it came to pass, when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him, and they took him and casted him into a pit. And the pit was empty because there was no water in it. So sometimes we're just trying to obey the father. And we get in situations that we end up in a dark place. It can feel like punishment. All Joseph did was obey his father. The Lord gifted him with prophetic dreams, really gave favor on his life. What's so bad about that? But he found himself in a pit. But I want to show you something about this pit that striked me reading a different translation. So in Genesis 37, 23, in the New Living Translation, it says, So Joseph, when Joseph arrived, 
His brothers ripped off his beautiful robe he was wearing. They grabbed him and they threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty and there was no water in it. One version says pit, one version says cistern. We don't really use cisterns anymore, so it's like, what's that? A cistern was kind of like a well, except for it was lined in limestone and plaster. It was kind of like an underground giant jar, and it collected water, and you would water your cattle, and you would water your family. This is where the village would come. At the top of the, of the cisterns usually is a lid. So this place, they found a cistern, and they threw Joseph in it. And I just wanted to share that if you find yourself in this position today, that you've been doing everything right, everything to the best of your ability, loving God, really wanting him to, like, trying to, like, get to that surrender, don't struggle there like I do, trying to strive to surrender, but trying to get to the place where you can receive God's love for yourself and for others, knowing you have a call in your life and you're really trying to walk it out, but then you find yourself in this place. A few months ago, we got to go on a women's trip to Chattanooga, and it was Women of Fire. It was in September. I'll never forget this trip. It was amazing. God just lavished his love on me. He, he spoke so much promise. He gave so much strength, so much prophetic word. And I came back and I was like, yeah. Lord, you showed me, you, my family, he showed me things in the spirit that he was doing. He told me all I had to do was ask whatever it is and he'd give it. And I thought, what? Am I the favored one? Am I the, you know, I'm your favorite? I'll do whatever I ask. And I asked for one thing, I asked for unity. I said, Lord, I want unity in my family, my extended family. I want us to be one big unity, loving family. And he showed me he was doing it. And I praised him, and I come back, and I'm thanking him for the promise. And I'm continuing to be obedient. He would open a door here. I'd pray. He'd say, yes, go. And I'd go, and I'd do it. And much like I am today, just being obedient, not really saying, I want to sign me up, but you said it, you have my yes before I even know what your question is, Lord. So here I am. But I found myself, after that spiritual high, in a place I didn't expect. And so there's a song called Purify Me. And during the song, it, it talks about, Lord, I want to be tried by fire, purified. Well, I was warned by a very wise lady that said, don't sing that song if you don't mean it. So worship would play it and I and sing it, and I'd be like, Lord, I want to be in. I would sing the end, but I wouldn't say it because I didn't mean it. Because if he could purify me in any other way but fire, then, like, sign me up for that. You want to purify me during a vacation? That's cool. You know, the beach is a great place to be purified. Lord, salt water purifies. Do it that way. But during this trip, the woman of fire with the women's group, he started prompting me to trust him in that. Trust me through the fire. Trust me. But I'm like, God, I don't know about that. Purify me. Yes, you know that's my heart. 
but through the fire? I don't know about that. But he prompted me to trust him. And I knew that he loves me. And everything he has for me, he works for good. And he actually has an expected end of prosperity and good for me, which doesn't mean finances. I know the 80s messed us up in the church. Prosperity of his goodness, of his favor, of just his companionship. So I did it. I said, okay, God. And the song comes on, and here I go, and I sing the full lyric. Lord, I want to be tried by fire, purified. You sure? Yes, Lord, I trust you. Then November comes, and I'm hit with devastating news. My family's hit with back-to-back sickness. It's months until we're even able to come out into the public again. And I'm like, what is this? You wanted me to trust you, to purify me with fire, but this feels like a pit. And church, I don't even know if we're really out of it yet. It still kind of smells like like a bit of a pit, not like an armpit, but like a pit, you know, like a dirt pit. (laughs) You know, the fragrance is still there, and, and I'm reminded that it's okay that I'm not out of that yet. Because here's what he wants to do, and here's what he's required and asked of me. While I'm in this pit, instead, okay, overthinkers, raise your hand, okay. Instead of overthinking, like, so what got me here? So why am I here exactly? Like, what happened? You know, I don't think that I took our antibiotics like we needed to. You know what, our vitamins, we didn't do that. And that's my fault. I did this. I'm overthinking and trying to figure out why I'm where I'm at, that God couldn't actually do what he wanted to do in that season, or in this season, rather. But then he showed me this, that it's not always a pit. Sometimes it's a cistern. And he sends us these places because he wants to reveal where the brokenness in the cistern is. You know, this whole series we've been in has been about the love of God wanting to fill us, wanting to be um, priority, wanting us to just surrender to. And I believe a lot of us responded with yes. Lord, we surrender to it. So then we, we come to God and he fills us. But then we go, and about a week later, we're dry again because there's cracks. There's broken places that only the pit can reveal. So if you find yourself in a pit today, ask him to show you the broken places because he wants to fill us. He wants these places in our lives that are devastating and painful. He wants his spirit to fill those places for it to become a well, a well spring that never runs dry, that generations will drink of the goodness of the Lord from. It is the places of pain in the pit that God wants to do something in us. See, there was no way to see the reflection of the world when you're isolated in a hole. And I think some of us have been in an isolated place. And we've been so busy trying to figure out why we're here that we haven't looked up to see the broken cistern. I thought I was healed in some places, guys. I thought, I was like, we already did that, Lord. He revealed some things. Because he wants to create 
in these moments a pivot. See, the tide has to change. This is a tide-changing pivot moment for our family. And we've seen his hand through this over and over and over. And I'm like, God, you're answering every prayer like this. I didn't expect it this way. There's no beach involved, Lord. Thanks for that. But you are doing what you said. God also wants to plant us in the pit. Before you can even grow a garden, there has to be a pit for the seed to go. And you know the seed has to die before it roots can sprout? That sounds painful. Uncomfortable even. But oh, the beauty that blooms from these pits. It's not just for us. It's for our families. It's for the people we encounter. It's an opportunity for fields of beauty to grow. And when the time comes and we encounter along the way people, we just pick from the garden and we hand them a bouquet. It's from the overflow. I want to share Jeremiah chapter 2, 13. For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. Don't get comfortable in your cistern. It's very easy to want to give up in this place. It's very easy to want to just stay and drink from this broken place because at least there's something. But church, we can't pour from an empty cup. Everything we do is to be excess, abundantly more, overflowing to others, from God to us, through us to others. It's an overflow. But we're drinking from these broken places because we're still shocked that we're here. Because just like Joseph, we didn't do nothing. But try to be obedient, try to love God, doing everything he told us to do, even trying to surrender, which is an oxymoron, trying, surrender. But we do that too, at least I do. Jeremiah 17. It says, blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their God hope and confidence. They are like trees. Planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat nor worried by how long the months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Ministry happens when we're planted. Ministry happens when we allow these places of unfamiliar pain, or even just confusion of what, where are we here? These moments we have to say, Father, I don't know why I'm here, but I invite you into this place. I love you here. I love you in this place that I can't even define 
I love you in this place. I love you in this spot that I'm at. And then our roots, it's time for the roots to go down deep into his love. To go down deep into his love. That's foundation of ministry. Ministry is a byproduct of identity. The only calling God wants of us is for us to fully be his and to let him fully be ours. Everything else he's planned along the way. We don't have to worry. Are we living up to God's standard? Am I really fulfilling the call of my life? Ask a better question. Am I really living in union with my father? Am I really living in union with God? I'm going to put my mic down because I want to show you something. This is relationship. This is intimacy. This is union. There's a difference. And in these places, he's drawing his children to a deeper place with him. And I know it's weary, and I know that it's hard. And I know you don't understand why you are where you are, but it was never punishment. And for Joseph, it was never punishment. God wanted to plant him. God wanted to mature and refine him. And we see it through scripture in Joseph's life. He goes from one pit to a dungeon to another place and still faithful to God. And God is still, his, God's call in his life didn't change because of where he was at. The pit does not define you, but it will refine you if you let it. If you let it. And that's what I want to share today. You know, we always hear pressure makes diamonds. Y'all hear that? Pressure makes diamonds, but it also makes fractures, right? But we don't talk about that. We have to decide. So he asked me in this pit of so, so much confusion, like, God, I thought you said this, and now this looks like this. And he asked me, what are you going to do? Now that you're here, are you going to surrender the pit to me? Will you allow me to crush the seed? That's painful sound. I don't like that. But you know, in order for an olive to become olive oil, it has to go through a pressing period. Before wine can be fresh and made, it has to be crushed. And so we can allow these moments to produce fresh oil, fresh wine, sweet aroma to the glory of the Lord, returning to him the glory he put in us. Or we can allow the pit to harden us. We can allow the pit to break us. We can allow ourselves to be okay with this broken cistern and drinking of this because at least I'm surviving. Ezekiel 47. For 
fruit trees of all kinds will grow along the river, the side of the river. The leaves of these trees will never brown in fall. They will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month, for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be for food, and the leaves are for healing. And in Revelations, John quotes this and says, the healing for the nations. The leaves will be the healing for the nations. How do we walk in ministry? We allow the Lord to plant us in the pit. You allow him to assess the cistern, reveal the broken places. Allow his spirit to fill it into a wellspring that feeds generations to generations. Your biggest pain could be your biggest blessing if you let it. You allow him to plant you where your roots grow down deep into the river of life. And the river of life is Jesus. The river of life is him and his love. And you know, the promise is that when we do that, we will never stop producing fruit. Doesn't that take a little backwards to us sometimes? Because like I'm working real hard on that fruit of patience. I'm working real hard. No, it's backwards. He produces the fruit. Your goal, your job is to surrender the root. Let it, the root grow down deep in his love, and the fruit comes. And when the people that you encounter along the way, I'm talking about Walmart. I know that makes people squeak. You don't expect me to talk to people in Walmart. Yeah, maybe. If the Lord tells you, offer them some of your fruit. You have something they need to eat today. Wrap your leaves around them and offer healing and peace. Because you didn't produce it, so you don't have to maintain it. That's the Lord's job. He is the finisher and perfecter of our faith. And so if the musicians would like to come up, I'll be closing. I struggled a lot with this concept. My dad is a minister. Ministry has been something talked about since I could walk. And I was really good at trying hard at it. But I was exhausted, and I felt like a fraud most of the time. And knowing that God didn't really require me to do anything. If I didn't speak today, do you know what would have happened? Somebody else would have. Holy Spirit would have still ministered what he had to say. It's a privilege to be a part of what he's doing, to see what he's doing, and to know that he, all he requires is for me to just stay in his love, be a conduit to his love, offer my fruit to people. Doesn't that just make it so much easier? Whew, just, my mind is so at ease because I've made it so hard. Overcomplicate everything. Ask my husband, he knows. But it's so simple. And I would love to tell you it's easy. But Jesus said, count the cost before you follow me. Because there's gonna be time where what I put in you and the seed that I've given you, I'm gonna require it back. Ask Abraham. 
going to require it back. Because the fruit's not really about us anyway. It's about others. If we let him, which is key, he will turn these hard places into a place of oppressing. And guys, I know that sounds hard, but he's so gentle. He does nothing without my permission. Nothing. Will you trust him in these hard places? I think every one of us want to live in union with God, want to flow in his love, want to be his love. But we're not able to hold the water. We're not able to hold. We're not able to be planted by the river of living water where our leaves will never, look, in, in drought seasons, you still produce. You'll, it never runs out. He's a God of abundance. And it's never about us anyway. So if he requires it of you, he will produce it in you if you let him. The invitation is easy today. Simple. But also not. Because you can choose to be planted by the river of life and to flow in what he calls ministry, which is union, the byproduct of union. Or you can choose to let these places stay where they are and just become empty wells of brokenness. But his heart for you is that you surrender these places because there's a whole generation behind you that needs to drink. They need to, they'll be walking in the same desert you're walking and they're going to need a drink that only you can produce. Stop waiting for somebody else to give what you have in you to give. Like God put that in you. Look, Jordan's a way better communicator than I am. He's good at it. But there's something in me that has to come out. His fruit might not quench the hunger for everyone. Same for you. So stop comparing. Don't look at other people's wells and be like, well, aren't they favored of God? You don't know the broken places the Lord had to mend. But he's faithful. And today I just sense that he has his river of living water flowing today. And that today could be your day that you decide that it's all worth it. Because whether you're with Christ or you're without Christ, you're going to go through pain. But with Christ, he promises to use it all for our good. He promises that the tide will change. And he promises we'll never walk this alone. So Corey and the team are going to play. And I just want to give an opportunity to look around where we're at to ask the Lord to show us where is there any broken places 
Even the ones I thought, I patched that pretty good, Lord. Even the places we thought were healed. Because you do have a call on your life. You do have a ministry to fulfill. But it's along the way. Just walk with the risen Savior. Just walk with Jesus. And sometimes it's a dance. You know, when you dance as the, as the, the man leads and the woman follows, and that's how I see my relationship with the Lord is something we dancing. I don't know where we're going. And sometimes I feel dizzy. But it's all a part of the dance. Father God, we thank you. I thank you that you never leave us where we think you have left us. I thank you that these places that we find ourselves on on the journey of really going after you, God, though they not be pretty, you still have a purpose for them. And Father, I just ask for a grace that we repent for judging you in these places. For thinking you've left us on our own and forgotten the promises you've spoken, God. Lord, Father, forgive us for doubting your heart when we could not see your hand. Father, I pray for every cracked cistern in this place. Even though the cracks may have been ages old, Father God, you still want better for us. And even though the cracks seem so minor, not a big deal, God, you still want healing for us. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to drink of this living water. And Lord, your promise is when we drink, it becomes a wellspring of life within us. It doesn't run dry. Lord, for those who are weary of doing ministry, Father, I thank you that you brought them here today. You brought them here to rest in the relationship. You've called us to union with you, Jesus. And as your spirit draws your people to yourself, God, I thank you. You meet us exactly where we are. I thank you that your river of life is flowing in this place. That healing, Lord, healing is our birthright because you said healing is the children's bread is for us today. So Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Fill these pits. Turn them into wells for our generations to drink. Plant us by your river of living water. 
strengthen these roots as they go down deep in your love. Thank you, Jesus. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.